When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All of the individual stories were so good. And once you got hooked in, you know, either by thinking what on earth has happened to the dead mother or the whole intrigue over the romance scam, there was a lot to, to captivate you. It has this kind of Rashomon structure whereby you see the same events from different viewpoints. It sort of changes your 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 idea of what's going on and who's who's responsible for what. It's quite clever in in the way it unravels everything in that it doesn't show its hand completely at once. And it's it's kind of quite a fun guessing game that you can have with it at the same time. Hi everyone, joining Flixwatcher today we've got Patrick, Hi there. Claire, Hello. and as always Kobe, Yo. and we're here to review only the animals. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes, and thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today we have Patrick and Claire. If you could please say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Certainly. Uh, my name's Patrick Mills. I'm a bookseller based in Hackney in East London, and I specialise in crime and detective fiction. And the reason I know Claire, she's one of my best customers. Um, we have a shared interest in that sort of, those sorts of books. And my shop's in the basement of uh, Pages of Hackney, which is an award-winning independent bookshop in Lower Clapton Road. And we've just we've just reopened. Um, this if this is going out the we're recording in week. April. Yeah, it's yeah. So we should be should be up and running by the time this goes out. And so we've we've had a bit of a bit of a time of it during the lockdown, but hopefully that's all behind us. And looking forward to selling some books. My Instagram is at Fields Books. There's lots of stuff about um, secondhand books on there. And also an online Etsy shop, which is also called Fields Books. So have a look on there for books you might want to buy or just to have a look at and check out and like. 
or if you're in the Hackney area, come and come and say hello when you're open as well. They're very friendly places, bookshops. They're always a good place to go and mm. get recommendations. Like you'll never leave empty-handed if you ask what's new or what can you recommend for someone who likes this or that author. It's a recommendation that you don't you can't get on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, it's probably it's worth worth saying to support your local independent bookshop. We can also order online on uh, pages of Hackney. Um, so check that out too, and we can deliver and have it sent in the post. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, and who are you? I'm Claire Barrett. I'm a journalist at the Financial Times. I write a column in the FT Weekend newspaper every Saturday, and I am the presenter of the FT's Money Clinic podcast, which helps people solve their real-life financial problems, whether that's paying down credit card debt or finding out the best way of saving up for a deposit for your first home or more esoteric things like green finance and investing. We do lots about investing, including um, on stuff for people who are doing it for the first time. Um, the one thing you won't hear on my podcast is jargon. Um, it's very much aimed at normal people. I think that there is far too much needless complication um, in mm. the world of finance so that they can sell us a solution and explaining it to us. So I'm all about people doing it themselves, but doing it well um, with um, proper guidance from 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 experts and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts i imagine this this past year has been quite uh well it's been strange for everyone but in terms of finances people have been struggling but then also some people who have been actually doing quite well so it's uh you're absolutely right kv is just this huge divide with people like me happily um who've been working from home i've never worked harder in my life um I don't have to pay money to commute. I can't spend money on all the things I normally like doing, like going on holiday or going out to restaurants. So um, like many people, I'm sitting on higher levels of cash savings at the moment. £180 billion worth, the Bank of England reckons, is uh, sitting there in people's bank accounts, whether that will be spent now that lockdown has been unleashed. Um, who will tell? But then on the flip side, you've got millions of small businesses who haven't had any kind of state-backed support. You've got millions of people on furlough, millions of people unemployed. So it's very much a story of two halves, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, let's make sure we get to your to your column and the podcast there to get advice for both both sides of the coin uh, for people there. About lots uh, of adult adult-related things, finance things that we all tend to put off far too late in life and then yeah. we're told you should have thought about this earlier i think Dad. is the general general <laughs> advice terrified what's, what's of finances yeah pensions finance ah! well helen i'm happy to have a one-to-one chat with you <laughs> after the podcast i see it as a personal challenge i have a lot of colleagues actually at the financial times if it makes you feel any better who feel exactly the same and can't engage with the you know the language the rhetoric they've just got like a mental block when it comes to dealing with it and i say well like let's sit down Mm. and let's work out a plan um to to tackle this and and we do it and they feel they all feel so much better afterwards well here talking about uh the opposite well i don't know if it's opposite of uh, finance where it's uh your film patrick only only the animals uh can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then if you can well you have to do it within 60 seconds give us a, a synopsis sure so only the Animals, Sully Bet in French, uh, was released in 2019, directed by Dominic Moll, who he, he directed a film back 20 years ago called Harry, um, something about Harry. It was 
big at Cannes, but it wasn't, he never really did much after that. And then this came out and was quite a big success. Well, an independent success, more in Europe. And so it's basically, it's about a woman. This first image that you see is um, a young man riding a bicycle, obviously in, in an African, African city with a goat tied to his back. Then it cuts to uh, this rural location, this very rural location in the middle of nowhere in France where a woman's gone missing in a snowstorm. So you're immediately thinking, what's what's going on there? What's what's the sort of connection? As it sort of unfolds, we we realise there's, there's a series of different characters who've been, who their lives are sort of intersecting. And the lady who's disappeared turns up and then she's linked to these farmers who seem to not be getting on. So you think, you, you first of all, you think we're in sort of classic thriller territory and if someone's been murdered and they're going to find that. But as it goes on, it's it has this kind of Rashomon structure whereby you see the same events from different viewpoints and it sort of changes your, your, your idea of what's going on and who's who's responsible for what. Um, another way of looking at it would be like a Russian doll structure whereby you have one, you take out one and there's another and then there's another inside. Why did you choose it? Uh, I, I chose it because I really enjoyed the, just the different 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 approach to storytelling. It reminded me of another film that I know you've reviewed on, on here called Uncut Gems with... Uh, Adam Sandler. So it reminded you of Uncut Gems? Well, it was more just the way that it was an unorthodox way of telling a story. So Uncut Gems was just so sort of, it was just, I saw some of the reviews that described it as, it's almost like a new way of entertainment. It's a new mode of uh, um, sort of cinema, cinema entertainment. And this, similarly, it just, it had a different approach. It's quite unsettling, for one, and like Uncut Gems was, but it's also just just quite refreshing to see something done in a completely new way that you hadn't maybe seen before. This to to a certain extent, it was unpre- you know it's unprecedented. So that's what that's what uh, made it appeal to me. Helen and Claire, had you seen had you seen this before, and what were your initial thoughts? I hadn't seen it before. I'm not generally a fan of films with subtitles, um, I have to say, because you can't look at your phone while you're watching a film with subtitles because you've got to, like, really immerse yourself in it. But having said that, it was very, very easy to immerse myself in the plot of of this film and sort of, like, picking up all of the different narrative threads and, you know, where they overlapped and how these very strange characters um, you wouldn't really throw together in a million years you know how their stories intertwined and I thought it was I thought it was great and it's probably quite good for me to not look at my phone when I'm watching tv frankly I'm sure that's the way the director intended (laughs) (laughs) all directors intend you not to be playing on your phone I'm sure they did um I'd never heard of this before so this was a new one for me even though it, it came out fairly recently 2019 um I think I'd probably say if if I was uh, in the position for writing a pithy quote for the film poster, Fargo meets Amoris Peros um, kind of vibe. I don't quite know what I was expecting. I didn't really read much going into it. And um, I, I find it a lot funnier than I was expecting 
it it to be. Um, it's quite a dark humour film. I don't know if anyone else found it funny. I thought it was quite funny um, and very surreal how everyone kind of gets caught up. And even though you sort of joked at the start of the conversation about it, it not being about finance and money, it is about money. And it's kind of like greed and money sets everything in motion. And was it not for, was it Fisher, the, the scam the scam Amandine yeah, played in it. yeah being scammed for loads of money in the instance then um, the series of events may not have been set in motion which leads most people and a poor dog um it's a very sad moment to um meet their untimely end in a um series of bizarre events i think it's fair to say i hadn't heard of this before and i love films that kind of do tell uh stories in an interesting way and um I remember how people's minds were blown with Pulp Fiction's like, whoa, hold on, this is told in three parts and there's a kind of internet intertwining narrative. It reminds me of films that are irreversible as well, which is because the timeline isn't so clear. You have to be paying attention to see which story comes before when and because some stories are more self-contained in a short time space and other ones expand the whole kind of length of the film. And I found it really interesting that way. And some people more tragic was there any non-tragic story in there? I think the, the first, the first lady, the 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 wife of the farmer, uh, was probably perhaps the least tragic story. Um, and I like the way it did, and it did end on a kind of a laugh at the end uh, with Michelle and the um, the guy who was who was fishing, catfishing him as Amandine, had a kind of laugh at the end um, on the on the computer screen. I just had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really good fun. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really um, compelling. And once I saw which way it was going with peeling back the layers, as Patrick says, in the kind of Russian doll onion skin way, I was like, okay, so who's next? What's good, what story are they going to unpeal? And when you, I haven't, I haven't rewatched it yet, but I remember seeing like when Amandine, I can't remember her real nerf character was when she tried to hitchhike. And I was like, oh, those, those, it's those two characters. And then they sped away. And when you kind of realize, I was like, oh, we're going to see the other side of that. I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Um, so, yeah, it kept me it kept me really engaged all the way through. Um, so I want more stories like this, and I can imagine that somewhere down the line there'll be an American version of this because because people like Claire don't want to read subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm such a luddite, but I think as, I mean as a finance journalist, boringly, um, what I really liked about this film is that it exposed a massive massive problem which is romance scams and mm. you know nearly half a billion pounds last year in the uk alone was lost to various forms of internet banking scams and like romance fraud is one of them but that's just what's reported and i know for a fact that many people who are taken in by romance scams that you know they meet people online as we see in this film you know, this French farmer sitting there, he thinks he's talking to this really hot young French girl, but he's actually on the internet to a group of um, quite poor black guys in Africa who are kind of passing the laptop around pretending to be the lady because they have bought footage of her on the dark web. Now, this is even this even has a name. It's called e-whoring. And a documentary came out on it on the BBC of all places last week, um, showing okay. what a huge is phenomenon a... this is becoming, where people's images are being, you know, taken and used um, without their consent, you know, by scammers to, you know, put them forward as, you know, some kind of catnip to. I, was, I wasn't aware of men. any 
of any of this before Claire told me about this prior to 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 this recording, and she was she told me this. I was quite surprised that the you know the extent that this actually goes on that there's these people out there pretending to be other people, and so it's it definitely sort of it shone a light on that, and it's something that something that maybe people aren't so aware of because I I certainly wasn't aware of the extent that uh, this sort of fraud is is perpetuated. And was also, this, was this a, one of the Storyville series? Was it? It, it was on. It's, it's it's on BBC Three, so I don't know if it is Storyville um, or not. Okay. But it's a, it's a former model who, when she was like seventeen or eighteen, she did glamour model shots, and there are topless pictures of her circulating on the internet, and they've been used in all kinds of things. And because she doesn't own the photos or the rights to them, it's very very hard for her to do anything about it. She's been incredibly brave in telling her story and that's like another angle on the same story but actually seeing the scammers themselves and why they are compelled to commit this type of crime now that wasn't something that I was expecting to see and I and I did feel that that was um you know a really interesting way into um talking about this and I also was very struck by how lonely all of the characters were in you know mm. all five of those stories loneliness was very much at the heart of their problems and of course it's loneliness that romance scammers are totally preying upon and that is why these kinds of frauds have absolutely soared unfortunately during the pandemic because more people want to believe that that really fit person that they're talking to on the internet is real and is really into them I can imagine, like I say, I'm surprised that that many that amount of, uh, of scamming has been reported because it's one of those things where if you find that you've been scammed, do you want to contact the police and tell them, yeah, I've been speaking to who I thought was a very attractive lady in her 20s and found out is a 70-year-old man in, in Indonesia. Um, <laughs> I suppose how- that's in the, in the film when the police in... Ivory Coast call up Michelle the farmer and say, "Do you yeah. want to press charges?" And he says, "No, no, no, I don't want to press." Bangs the phone down on them, which is possibly that's the sort of natural reaction for a lot of people. They don't want to believe it. They, a, they don't want to believe that they've been scammed, but B, they don't want to believe that that what this love affair that they've imagined is just all a sort of fantasy. So, I think there must be a fair amount of shame there as well. Um, and if if there are people who are in relationships because one of the things i remember at the start was michelle the guy who'd been caught up in the scam telling his wife um that oh i need to spend some more of our of our money to do something and at the time i thought that looks that sounds a bit dodgy um and yeah it was nice to see how that unfurled in in one of the stories later on basically if anyone sends you a message on any kind of web-based platform and you don't know them (laughs) Prob- yeah. They're probably after money, and they're probably not who who they say they, say they, they are. are. It's I mean, it's super easy to find an image, say it's me, and and share it, and say yeah. Probably less that, less likely that they're then gonna turn up accidentally in your hometown. But <laughs> well, that's where the, that's where the nice kind of twists happen, wasn't it? <laughs> some of the, I thought his... I thought some of the coincidences were a bit forced. Some of it was a bit unbelievable, but kind of got away with it because that you could because of the way it was told and the sort of mm. story it was it was a bit strange it was a bit you could they you the suspension of disbelief sort of worked there and you could imagine 
she just randomly turned up in this guy's hometown. But the other thing I was going to say about it is if, you know, if people are worried that they can't go and spend their holidays in France because of COVID or anything, they watch this. Nobody want, nobody would want to go and spend a holiday in France. They'd be quite happy in a caravan on the Isle of Wight after they're watching this one. Yeah, I mean, forget a year in Provence. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, particularly some of the opening scenes where you've got these two, you know, kind of overweight, sweaty um, French farmers in their kind of ramshackle farm sort of falling apart at the seams. Like they haven't, haven't had a, a, rub, a, uh, a wash since sort of Bastille Day. Well, I mean, I mean, I thought at the beginning, is this set in the 1970s? Because the interiors of the farmhouses were so kind of retro. And it was only when you see him on a computer allegedly doing the, the accounts where he's actually talking to um, who he believes to be this fit French babe that you think, oh, OK, we're not in the 1970s then. People do have mobile phones um, in this part of France. But yeah, it was... Um, I'm, I'm sure if we had smelly vision, I think you would be switching it off. <laughs> it looked pretty ripe. What did you make of the of the uh, character who played, who's the second part of the story, who uh, fell in love with, with the with a dead woman? Um, in terms of kind of suspension of disbelief that you're talking about, Patrick, that was, that was for me. It was like this is a bit. Well, I bit think much. he was he was supposed to have been. He, he was very close to his mother, and his mother had died, and so it sort of worked in that sense. I mean. It was a bit strange, and then he put on that. He remember he played the tape, and so mm. he put the pay bales together, and he had the tape recorder, and he played that very sort of cheesy song that came up again at the end, which I quite liked in a weird way. But uh, it was, I think it was called "To To a To a Par," like "You have gone, you have left." So it was all about that. So he's there with the dead bodies singing, you know, and she's singing, "You have gone, you're not here anymore." <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a strange one that I did. I'd be interested to see how how you how the rest of you felt about that. Helen, what did you make of, of Joseph? Uh, he was just a bit of a strange loner. Clearly, a bit of isolation had not been kind to him, hmm. and uh, shot his dog. So, not my favourite character, unfortunately. No, he did, he, yeah, he did. He did shoot his dog, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he shot his dog because the dog was gonna. Un- uncover the um the romance nor was... his dead lover yeah and also i think that was where the way that that ended really abruptly that's that, that sequence didn't it because he threw her down the hole and sat there and then jumped himself down i was like oh hold on i was sitting is... there saying he's gonna jump he's gonna go he's gonna be there oh you thought it yeah <laughs> and then he did uh, but it was still quite shocking and claire pointed out to me that was... you you didn't hear him hit the you didn't hear the sound. Yeah. It was just like, and it's like sort of. Then He's it still cut falling before. now. Oh, that's that's a bit freaky. That's a bit freaky. <laughs> I think that's when I realised that it was actually going to be quite playful and not particularly but serious. The, when they jumped into the hole, when when he. You thought that was playful. The... <laughs> because it's so absurd. It was like, okay, this is the French like sense of humour coming through. Like, this is like going right. to be even wackier. It's going to go even further than. I was also thinking if this was in Britain and there was a sinkhole, you know, health and safety gone mad. You know, there would have been all you know barbed wire fences around it and no access. And in France, you know, just park your car and walk a few meters from the side of the road, and there's this convenient, you know, dumping funnel for bodies. Well, let, 
let's see what happens when the English language version of this is made and if they do uh, have the health and safety barriers up. Don't step this way, sinkhole. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I was quite taken by this film. Um, I, was, I, was, I was thinking we haven't that, had that many foreign language films on here, but we actually have. City of God um, was an early one that's, that works. I think they... they I'm always I'm I'm very happy to have a foreign language film on and watch them. It doesn't really bother me, but I think it just does set yourself up that you have to make sure you're paying attention because you can't even lose focus slightly because you you miss unless yeah you, you end up having to rewind and yeah oh what did exactly. he say what did he say if you're like checking your so I can understand why people aren't um, so keen on them if they want to zone out but if you're happy to watch a film and be fully focused and I think there's no there's no reason why. Um, I, think, I think you get a lot out of them. I think this is something that would have been hard to get in the, in the Hollywood system or the, or the English, maybe, maybe in the British film system. I can imagine the person who wrote um, and directed In God's Own Country doing a, a similar kind of thing like this set in the Yorkshire Dales, um, for example. Um, but yeah, is there anything else, guys, you want to say before we head to the scores? The the other thing that, that uh, in terms of like, films that it reminded me of. There's one 70s film called Le Boucher, The Butcher by Claude Chabrol, which is about a serial killer in the middle of nowhere in France. But it's to me, it used the, the, um, the sort of the landscape in a similar way to this, to where this film is set, which is in the Massive Centrale, right in the sort of middle of France, but towards the south. And that, you know, we're talking about that strain, you know, that hole where he goes up mm. in the mountains and there's this, I think they're all extinct volcanoes, but I thought it was interesting that they used that landscape to, and it was pretty bleak and empty, and it sort of reflected some of the sort of loneliness, possibly that Claire was talking about, that that all the characters seemed to seem to share. I was wondering how they filmed it because it it looked like genuinely real snow, and the seasons did wax and wane. Uh, I mean, I could just just they must have shot it over quite a long period of time, but in like sections when the weather seemed to to suit. Um, but I think the, the landscape of it was was perfect. So get to scores. Hello, folks. I'm Sam, and I'm Martin. And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette <laughs> and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl. Uh, he's also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flixwatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out and when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. Let's head to the scores. All of the Flixwatcher scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish and we'll start with you please, Patrick, with your recommendability score. So I really, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was, you know, as, as we as we said, it's kind of different different way of um, making a film, different way of telling a story. So I'd probably give it four and a half for that. Claire, I 
would match you with four and a half. I think that it's a really great film. I've actually recommended a couple of friends um, should watch it anyway, because let's face it, we're all busy looking for things to watch on Netflix that we haven't watched already during the past year. Um, and it's something that I didn't know was there. But it is quite dark and certainly trigger warnings um, if you don't like violence towards animals. Helen? Yeah, it's kind of a strange one. I kind of enjoyed being in the moment, watching it, and then kind of I haven't really thought much about it since. So it's kind of if you're kind of into this thing, you're probably going to really enjoy it. The kind of like structure for me didn't feel probably as exciting as it did for the first time that I watched Port Fiction. So it's more kind of the absurdity, I think, rather than the the structure of the storytelling that I enjoyed the most in that it all kind of stems from one bizarre incident and a series of bizarre coincidences um so uh i think i'll go for a four and there would be other films maybe i'd recommend ahead of it but um still recommended yeah i'm gonna go for a four here just because i think yeah it's lost points mainly because it's um front language film and when you recommended that to people who you know are very intelligent and uh, insightful but it does seem to be and as, as bong june ho said about parasite if you can get over that one inch high barrier then it opens the world up to you but still there's so many people who are put off by the one inch high barrier um for films so it makes it a hard sell um but yeah four i think is is a is a fair representation uh patrick repeat viewing score have you seen this before I have. I saw it quite recently on Netflix, and so and I watched it again ahead of the podcast just so that I could so it was fresh in my mind. So the, um, the, was it a Netflix rep- recommendation, or did someone was a Netflix punt on your point? Part, I think it was one of those ones where it says um, if, it's like if recommended you in, for you. Was it one of those it suggested? You. Yeah, based on your viewing. Because yeah, I watched. I mean, well, I've been watching a lot of Netflix anyway because of the lockdown and everything. But I do tend to watch a lot of French foreign language films. I really like them. Um, mm. Films having subtitles, that's a recommendation for me. That's not, it works the other way. But um, so I'd say repeat viewing, maybe, I think it's not one you needed to watch too many times. I think once you watch it, it's, you've kind of got it. You, I don't think it gained too much from a second viewing. There wasn't much that uh, I didn't pick up on. So I'd say three, maybe. Claire? I would definitely watch it again just to sort of see how the stories um, stitch together. So if somebody I knew wanted to watch it, I'd definitely watch it with them. So I'd say 3.5. Helen? Uh, it's nearly two hours, which, if if you know me, um, is is quite a long time for me, especially if I've already seen, seen it before. The subtitles things doesn't really put me off um i think i've watched so many films now that are with subtitles it they all they're all just the same i don't know whether my brain minds reading them or not and i don't i don't think that should put you off watching a film at all ever it can be a, a wonderful experience always she says um am i gonna watch it again probably not 1.5 um i don't think i'll watch it again soon um i'll happily maybe if- five or six years I might try and re- revisit it and, and stitch together and try and see the if there's any kind of pieces that um were hinted at in the earlier stories that pay out in the in the in the latter ones um but i don't think i'm gonna watch it that often so 2.5 small screen score patrick 
Yeah, I mean, I think it worked. It worked fine for me watching at home. Um, it's it's fairly compelling. It's like visually, um, I thought that it looked pretty good. So yeah, I'd give it a three. So, no, say four. Claire. Yeah, I mean, I I would go higher than that. I'd say four point five. I think if I had paid to watch it at the cinema, I don't know. It is two hours, so I guess it is it is quite good value. Um, but definitely. I think benefited from being able to hit the pause button so I could look at my phone and not the subtitles for a couple of times. <laughs> I tend to just start looking at the phone and realise I need to rewind like two or three minutes to make sure I, can't, I don't miss anything. Helen? Um, I just love that, Claire, that do you, do you work out the value by the kind of the run length from the cinema to the price? Is Is that... If you get value for money, I'm just love it, loving how how you would equate whether it's if it was a shorter version, would it not been? Helen, I never I never buy anything unless it's a deal. I'm an absolute <laughs> nightmare. I always get money off everything. Um, yes, it's just it's just the way of life. I've always been like it. I love that. I think I definitely would not have seen this at the cinema. It wouldn't have been kind of in my um, radar. To, to have seen it and I think it it works fine on the home screen I think um it kind of felt a little bit like it could have been maybe like a two-parter slash three-parter tv series in fact thinking about it maybe they could have had it been that they could have maybe fleshed the characters out a little bit because I kind of felt that we didn't really know them as well as we probably could have done considering it was a two-hour film so Maybe if they remade it, a three-part American series is on the cards for it. Um, but for small screen, a five. I think almost, um, I kind of like what you're saying there, Helen, but I think almost one, you know, an hour long for each person. And, and that's, the, that's the story of a five, five episodes would be, be quite cool. Um, pitch it now. Pitch it to Netflix. You're going to remake it. I've got other things to pitch to Netflix. This isn't one of them. <laughs> um, I've got, maybe it's down at the bottom. Um, but yeah, I think... I'm going to give it a five. Um, this is the kind of thing if I'd heard about it on the grapevine and it wouldn't have been the thing I'd go to the cinema for, but it'd certainly be like the, um, you know, if I'm going to see, sometimes I'd, I'd go and see two or three films in the in, in one day and it'd be one of the ones I'd go and see, but it wouldn't be, if I just had to see one film, it probably wouldn't be that film. If that makes sense. <laughs> I'm happy to sit in the cinema, but, uh, and this would have been a cool thing to see there. So, Yeah. But, but otherwise, I think it was great at home. Um, engagement score. So I suppose as a as a subtitle film, it's going to be it might suffer from less engagement if people are if you are checking your phone. But um, I mean, I I found it pretty engaging in terms of um, I didn't feel that there wasn't too many uh, distractions and it's fairly compelling. So I'd give it four point five. Claire. I'd, I'd even go higher on that. I'd, I'd say 4.7, just because all of the individual stories were so good. And once you got hooked in, you know, either by thinking what on earth has happened to the dead mother or, you know, why is this middle-aged, quite sexy businesswoman getting it on with a waitress or, you know, the whole intrigue over the um, romance scam and how that all played out. There was a lot to, to captivate you and, you know, the subtitles didn't really matter. Helen? Yeah, I don't think anyone could start watching this and then not want to find out how a goat got involved. I think it's got 
in the way of its storytelling, it does quite well in feeding you just enough to keep you interested, but not quite telling the full story immediately. Um, I think as it goes on, you you once you see it from at least one other side, you can kind of see where it's going. But it's quite clever in in the way it unravels everything. In that it doesn't show its hand completely at once, and it's it's kind of quite a fun guessing game that you can have with it at the same time. Um, so I'm going to give it a four point five as well for engagement. Yeah, it's going for a four point five there as well. I think it's yeah. Once you realise. Yeah, once you see the start of, of of Joseph's story, I think Joseph's the second story in this, and you see it from you see some of the part of uh, the first lady from Joseph's point of view, like okay, right, I see what happens. And when you see the dead, the dead um, missing person in the in the snow, and you you see it from that side, his side, it, I think you'd be hard not to be hooked into it, and you'd be hard not to be compelled and hard not to want to find out what happens, if, even if it's the next five minutes. Um, and that's, I think that's just, just really great storytelling. Um, and but the subtitles, I just feel that it would ever put me off watching a film, but it might put me off watching it at you know when I'm tired or I I'm lacking in concentration. But if I want to watch the film, I will 100% watch it. But it does mean you have to be engaged. So yeah, anyway, 4.5, and that gives us an overall score of 4.01250. Oh, uh, which is strong. Sneaks into the fours. Very and good. It, even even with a low repeat viewing score as well. So I think that's that's a that's a stellar stellar result. Thank you very much, uh, Patrick, for 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 watching it the first time and watching it again with us and suggesting it to everyone to here to watch it. Can you and Claire sign off by telling us where we can find you online and we'll say goodbye to the listeners. So I'm on Fields Books on Etsy, which is where I sell books. And But the bookstore that I work in, you can find it at paceofhackney.co.uk. And also my Instagram is at Fields Books. So there's lots of stuff on there. Um, so go on there and you can find uh, more information. Claire? And you can listen to my podcast, Money Clinic, wherever you get your podcasts. We have a new episode that comes out every week on Tuesdays. Um, on Saturday, I have a column in the FT Weekend newspaper. And most weeknights, you can hear me on LBC Radio with Eddie Mayer trying to decode some kind of financial um, stuff for people who are listening. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 